Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're in a series, actually, that we began last week called Lifestyle Christianity, that, that really this is about being able to live in a lifestyle with the Lord, and I believe that's, that's what God wants us to do. And we started last week talking about the fact that we need power under the process. All of us have habits. All of us have process in life. There's a rhythm to life. But underneath of that, there needs to be something more substantial than just your habits or your disciplines or even your, your time spent in, in fun. And all those things are great, but it's important that underneath of there, there's some, some ideas that really help us to open our hearts to God in a dynamic way because we need His presence. We need breakthrough, real breakthrough. And so, first of all, we said God is good. Come on, how many of you thank God He is? God is good. And if He's better than we think He is, we need to change the way we think. So that suddenly our expectations are set by the goodness of God. Come on, how many of you know God's not grumpy this morning? Amen. Amen. Come on, how many of you know if He is, you're in trouble? (laughs) Yeah, thank God He's good. And He's always good. He never changes, not for anybody or no one. And so he's good. Secondly, we talked about how that nothing's impossible with God. And so what that, what that does to us when we believe no, no matter what it is that I approach to God, I'm not going to knock him off his throne. He's gonna, not going to be uh, overwhelmed by my needs. My needs are going to be overwhelmed by him. Amen. And so I begin to think bigger. What are possible, what is possible with God? And then ultimately... The, the, the third dynamic of this entire thing is the reason why we can receive from God is because the blood of Jesus paid for everything. Amen. Nothing has been left out. Matter of fact, God's not even debating whether or not he wants to fulfill his promise that was bought in the blood of Jesus. It's not even a question for him. Of course he wants to bless your life. Of course he wants to heal your body, forgive your sin, and deliver you from demonic oppression. Of course. Duh. Hello, it's kind of like one of those things, you know. And then lastly, and this is probably maybe as profoundly impactful to every individual who feels hidden or isolated in this day, and this hour, that everyone, and I do mean everyone, has significance, saved and unsaved, that everyone's significant to God. The only reason why he postpones his coming, I believe, is because he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. There's more people that need to know him. And so get busy. They're waiting on you. Amen. And so the ideas that we're we're sharing here, all of it's really founded on that idea. And so today we're going to continue with the the idea of of connecting in this vibrant relationship with the Lord. And that connection determines how we live out our faith. And I'm going to give you some examples uh, today as best I can, but we want to continue to see the underlying connection with God is everything in the dynamics of your faith. But if your expectations are set on religious observances, I'm telling you, God wants to give you an upgrade this year. That everything up until now has been preparation. It's time to step out of the boat and walk on water. And I I believe that God wants to do something like that dynamically for all of us. And so what are those dynamics? You know, the Bible says that there are people, Matthew 15 says that there's a people who who honor me with their mouth and praise me with their lips, but their hearts aren't far from me. And so it's important for us to really grasp that you can actually go through the motions but not really possess the heart of God. And I've run into Sister Sandpaper at church before. How many of you know she'll take hide right off of you? How many of you ran into Brother Bucket Mouth? Anybody run into him? 
Got a little gossip scoop right in the foyer, right out in the church, right there. It's important for us to realize that none of that stuff works. Matter of fact, among the seven things that God says he hates, one of them is a, is a lying tongue. Come on, somebody. And so it's important for us to really get it. To keep our, our, our life alive in God is really the point. And it's your responsibility to keep your own heart management in the control of Holy Spirit. Now, we're learning, and all of us are at different levels. Are we okay with that? How many of you know we're at a lot of different levels that are watching online and that are in the room today? Come on, we've got different levels. Some people just came to Jesus last week. I think we had a couple dozen that came to Jesus over the last couple of weeks and, and so forth. There's lots to learn in the Lord. Some of you have been Sunday school teachers before, and so we're glad that you're here. We just pray you're doing what you taught in Sunday school. Amen. Amen. But we want to keep a vibrant relationship with God. Let me give you an example. Uh, one, of the, one of the ways that we keep our marriage vibrant, and by the way, that's your responsibility as well. You know, if you don't feel like you married your soulmate, <laughs> so forth, just understand the quality of your marriage is in your hands. And love travels over communication. So if you've not communication, communicated well... Your, your marriage will suffer. And so it's in that dialogue, that exchange of care and endearment and terms of love and, and depth beyond just got to do this and got to do that, that makes your marriage good. And it's the same way with God. If you neglect that relationship with God, your relationship with Him suffers. And your confidence wanes and all those kinds of things. I'll give this story. I gave it at the end of service last time. But, but Jackie and I, back when we were, I don't know, in our 20s still... And, and our oldest son, Jordan, was just a baby boy, just been weaned, and so we could actually leave him with, with Mama and Papa. And so we left him with them, and we went on this marriage retreat. Wonderful. And so uh, we were there with about 50 other couples, about 100 folks, and we were there learning how to communicate in, in relationships. Happy Valentine's Day. And so while we were there... The, the assignment was, after the first lecture, Randy Wheeler, one of our counselors down at the Counseling Center, was actually doing this way back in the day. And he, and he, said, um, he said, I want you to act like you only got 24 hours to live. And there's something that you've never told your spouse, but you got 24 hours to say it, so don't leave it unsaid. Say it. Just bring it up and say it. And so this is the assignment. Go to your room. Write it down, read it to each other, pray whatever you feel like you're supposed to do, and then come down and play ping pong with the rest of us. And so that was the assignment. So everybody scatters to their rooms and so forth. And I didn't know maybe that I wasn't communicating as well as maybe I thought I should, but I opened my heart and I really took the thing seriously. And all of a sudden, I just began to adore my wife on paper of all the things that she is and all the ways. And I wrote and wrote and wrote. I turned the page over and continued to write. She said, what are you doing? <laughs> and I just kept writing. Finally, I got done. And she said, okay, who wants to go first? I said, I do. Sit down. <laughs> and I just began to read it. By the time I got done reading that, we were both crying and weeping over one another. Yeah. And God uncorked a level of love and marriage that we had never seen before, and we've been married probably for four years. And I thought I loved her fine. 
I know she's crazy about me, chasing me around the house all the time. <laughs> Is she smiling? She's smiling? She's smiling? Okay, go, girl. <laughs> but I want to let you know something about that relationship. That when that I unlocked the door where Jackie was, I also found that I opened up to the gifts of the Holy Spirit because he was behind the same door. My ability to live out of my heart instead of just out of the patterns of my head. I've got process, but I needed power under the process. And when I unlocked my heart, to my, my level of worship to God went to a brand new level. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit started moving in my life more dynamically than ever. Because I was able to come out of my locked up sort of a way of thinking about life. And suddenly I was lifestyle Christianity personified. And I want you just to understand that that's the way that the thing happens. You've got to live with your heart wide open. I call it living out loud. And it's important for us. I mean, if you want your love to grow deeper and stronger, you've got to be able to express it. If you presume upon love, then it becomes less tangible and less accessible. No matter how much you want a good marriage, if you don't uncork your own heart, you can count on staying right where you're at. Or maybe less. Because fatigue sets in if we don't feel like our love tank is getting full. And so it's important for us to be able to live and let the... Matter of fact, let me put it this way. Bill Johnson said, we've seen great awakenings that have happened in human history over time and so forth. And many people think that the reason why the revival stops is because the sovereign will of God. And he said, no. The reason why any kind of revival or awakening stops is because we stop putting wood on the fire. People stop putting themselves on the altar. (laughs) And as soon as that stops, it begins to wane. It's not God's choice. It's our choice. Come on, how many of you know you can have a revival if you want it just because you want it? I don't have to wait on you. Thank God I don't have to wait on you. (laughs) Amen. I can go ahead and have a revival of my own. And I hope you desire it. I hope you desire to uncork that bottle and get power under your process. Because when you do, something dynamic is going to happen with you. And so now, let me just tell Matthew chapter number 11 is a, is a huge thing. Matthew chapter number 11. Jesus said that he wants us, verse 24 and 25. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, remember that word, I'm, I will give you rest. And then he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? Because I'm meek and lowly in heart, and there, say there. So in the yoke, in that place, yielded to God, he said, there you will find rest for your soul. Yoke together with Jesus, and that's what he wants for every single one of us. See, we all go through this, this I can do it on my own sort of a thing, you know, and, and let me just tell you, you're not supposed to do it on your own. You're not made to do it on your own. You're supposed to be in partnership with God. That's what faith in God is all about, not just believe that he is, but that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11:6 says, Now it is impossible to please God without faith, for he that comes to God, this is verse 6, Hebrews chapter 11, he that comes to God must believe that he is. How many of you believe God is? 
Now here's the, the real question. How many believe he's a rewarder? Not a holder-outer. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. This is all Isaiah 55. Let the wicked man forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Hallelujah. That's God. That's him. Calling upon him. Come on. Seeking him. Making him the point of your life and not just an add-on. See, religion says add religion into your life and your life gets better. It's kind of like a rabbit's foot. Add a little church into your life and so forth and things will start turning out better. Okay? Okay, God's not a rabbit's foot. Or if you're Irish, he's not a four-leaf clover. Or as a leprechaun. Understand today that I, I'm his and he's mine and yoking together with him is the only real way to do life. It's what he designed. He said, well, I'm still figuring it out. Z generation is still, well, I'm kind of making up my own rules. Yeah, but you got to make up your own religion to believe whatever and whatever is supposed to work for you when you need breakthrough and miracles in your life. Well, I don't believe God does miracles. You're looking at one. Come on, what are you telling me? The Lord hath made a mistake? <laughs> what? <laughs> you heard about the Pentecostal service, you know, one time the, the, the gal stood up with the word of the Lord and said, you know, you know when, when Noah was swallowed by the whale, and she went on prophesying and so forth, and she realized it was Jonah that got swallowed by the whale. So she sat down, everybody's kind of quiet, thinking about it. She stood back up and said, the Lord hath made a mistake. <laughs> It was Jonah. You can get this thoroughly entertaining Pentecostal services. They're thoroughly entertaining. Don't know what you missed being a Baptist. I don't know. Entertainment value was high. See, to be carnally minded doesn't mean you're lust minded. To be carnally minded means that I'm controlled by natural limits that are void of God's influence. It could be just facts. Let me give you a story. Um, you all remember when God was leading the people out of Egyptian bondage through Moses, called the book of Exodus, second book of your Bible. And so after 400 years of bondage, they come out by the power of God. God blasts them out of Egypt. It's amazing. They go through the Red Sea on dry ground. God drowns their enemies when they tried to pursue them through there. And I mean, it was a day of rejoicing. And every day I don't need my notes, so I'm good. But um, so, so they, they go, th they get the law, they, they're following Moses, and now they're led to the second crossing, and it's called the, the Jordan River. So they've crossed through the Red Sea, God opened it up for them, now God says, send spies out in the land, one representing each other, one of the tribe, 12 spies, send them into the land, and let them spy out the land, and sure enough, they came back, and they said, man, it's just like God said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, it's fertile, it's beautiful, there's, you know, the, here we brought back the fruits, look at the fruit that we brought back from there. He, they said, 10 of them said, but there's giants in them, there are hills. There are walled cities and there are armies over there. They've been working for Pharaoh for 400 years making bricks. They're not a trained army. They're just a mob of people whom God has brought out there. His, his 
special people, but they're not trained to overcome. And so here's what I want you to get now. Here's the point. What they came out of that spying out the land back to Moses and to the people of Israel, they came out with a factual report. See, carnally minded doesn't mean you're just lust minded. Carnally minded means I've taken God out of the equation. And everything is drawn off of my understanding of life in my own strength. See, the Bible didn't say just be strong in yourself. The Bible said be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And so being strong in the Lord is deliberate. It's not an accident. It's getting in the yoke with Jesus. And so, so they come out, and Caleb and Joshua still the people, and they said, don't, don't listen to that. We are well able to take the land. Let's go in at once and possess the land. Caleb and Joshua factored in the God factor. That the God that brought us out, the God that's over us in a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, he's in the cloud. You can't, nobody's denying God's existence. He's glowing in a cloud. He shows up on Moses and Moses' face glows. He's bringing water out of rocks and manna every morning. You know what manna means? What is it? Moses said, I don't know, just eat it, <laughs> you know. And so... And so here God's doing powerful things for them, but when it comes time for them to step in when the cloud is going to disappear and they're going to be able to walk by faith in the covenant of God with no manna anymore, you don't need it anymore, we're going from manna rations to abundance. And it's over there in the, God, the land that God's given us. Problem is God didn't tell the people that live there already. And so Caleb and Joshua said, Let's, we're well able to take the land. Let's go in at once and possess the land. Now, here's what Hebrews 3 says about that whole experience. Because the whole nation wept, and they didn't believe God. And God says, all of you are going to die in the wilderness except Joshua and Caleb. The rest of that generation, gone. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Come on, can't you see Joshua and Caleb? Can't you just see these boys? People start dying and saying, another one bites the dust. <laughs> come on, can't, come on. We're getting that much closer. Come on. sooner you die, the quicker we get into our inheritance. Come on. But this is what the Bible says in Hebrews 3. The Bible says that they didn't believe God. They failed to enter into his rest because of an, this is what it says now, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I can tell you there's a great deal of Christian circles today that are right in the same spot. That God is ethereal and not the God who is for us and with us. And so out of that, you begin to read the factual report. And what you get out of the factual report, in God's eyes, is unbelief in a departure of, from the living God. And he calls it an evil heart of unbelief. Because you've departed from the living God. God has invited us into the yoke with him. And that means we're going to go somewhere and we're going to do something productive together. Yoke is not just for strolling down the road. It's for pulling a burden. It's for getting a job done. And so God has a job done. He's invited us into the yoke. And so what does that mean for us? Let's read it again. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. That means you're trying to do the work on your own. Stop it. Amen. Tell your neighbor, stop it. 
Some of you didn't participate. Like, I can't see you. <laughs> Online, you got one up. Come on, even at home, come on, look at somebody, stop it. You're not supposed to do it on your own. Why in the world, with God's help, would you try to do it on your own? It's all right, God, I can handle this. No, you can't. You're not any bigger hot rod than I am, and I don't, I'm not brave enough to try that anymore because when I was doing it on my own, I messed it up big time. Come on, somebody. Listen. Some of you younger people especially see me as a preacher. I didn't go to Bible school to be a preacher. I went to Bible school not to be drunk and not to be abusive and not to be insecure and filled with fear and being dangerous. The reason why is because God filled me with the Holy Spirit and catapulted me out of the bondage that I was in. So I'm not hiding that from you because I wouldn't pastor anybody on my own. You want to make your own rules? Do it at your own peril. But if you want to do it on your own, you'll be no better than the ten spies that says we're not able. And you'll draw limits around your life and you only go so far and you'll run into disaster and wish you to believe God your whole life. Or you can take the testimony of somebody who's been there with the pain of separation from God and the catastrophe that you can make out of your life. And you can jump out of the hole by faith just like I did. And jump into the yoke with Jesus. Does it require surrender? Smartest thing in the world you can do. Because he's, he's the only one you can really trust. Come on, I'm talking to somebody online right now. I'm telling you, he's the one you can trust. He knows better than we do. And that shouldn't be difficult. God knows more than I do. Hello. That's not a tough thing to conceptualize. So, so. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Same word used in Hebrews chapter 3. Same word, rest and peace. Peace and rest are like cousins. They don't mean exactly the same thing, but the result is the same. That when you're in the rest of faith, you're just endowed with peace. Matter of fact, the Hebrew language for, for the word peace means I'm blessed in every area of my life. My enemies are no longer attacking me. I'm at, God has given me victory over my enemies. He's bring healing, and, and he's lifted the burden of sin off of my life. And today, I've not got a bunch of hang-ups. Thank God I got peace and rest in God. Amen? So they're, they're kind of cousins together. And by the way, don't think for a second that rest and peace are passive. Because God says entering into his rest, you're going to have to face your Jerichos. You're going to have to face your, your different giants in the land of your life. But you can do more in God than you ever thought you could. I mean, consider just for a second the guy named David. Anybody remember him, King David? Okay, so here's a whole Israeli army up on the hillside, a valley in the middle and a, a hill on the other side. The Philistines are over there, and there's a guy named Goliath who's about 16 feet tall. With a, the spearhead for him weighs 16 pounds. How many of you know this guy's bad to the bone? I mean, he's big, he's bad, he's... He's probably got bad breath and gingivitis. I don't know. But there he is, and he's yelling for 40 days, blaspheming God and belittling the people of God. And all of them are stunned and completely shocked by the size of this guy. Except a guy named David who lives in the yoke with God. 
And so David, he comes to deliver lunch to his brothers, and he sees the whole circumstance, and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Uncircumcised is code language for outside of the covenant of God. We got a covenant. He's out there by himself. He's big, but I'm not measuring him against me. I'm measuring against him. And so David's attitude was seeing through the yoke relationship with God. See, if you don't learn how to live in the yoke perspective with God, it's just the best you can do. You ever try to pull a plow? Just try to get in the yoke and pull a plow one inch. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to move it. But you could put a couple of great big powerful oxen out there and so forth, strap them together and let them go. Man, they'll, they'll plow a field all day long and they won't just, all they need is grass, a little hay, and they'll keep going. Because they're strong and amazing. But they don't do much. They're just hamburger on the hoof. Unless they're in the yoke. Are you with me? And so, so David says, who are these uncircumcised Philistines? And all of a sudden, Eliab, his older brother, came and said, we know the naughtiness of your heart. Isn't it funny how people that have transgression and iniquity in their own heart Anytime boldness and faith shows up, that they accuse them of doing the very thing that they've got. Just saying. Just saying. And David says this. He said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Isn't something going off in you that's going off in me? See, that's the distinction. When you find somebody who's got a different voice in the midst of the challenges of life, what you find is somebody who's entered into a yoke relationship with Jesus, which means the, the direction of my life, I have not determined. I'm trusting God in the direction of my life because you get yoked together with Jesus, you're going where you're going. Amen. The yoke keeps you there. And the pace of your life is dictated by the Lord. Heavy laden, he said, I'll give you rest. But it's the rest of faith, it's got that Davidic spirit in it. It says, yeah, wherever you're going, if the challenge is to that Goliath out there, then it's game on, baby, because I'm not on my own. I am yoked with God. And so David, instead of running from his enemies, and of course, you know, the Saul's armor thing doesn't fit. I'm just going to go out there. Come on. He begins to swing that stone and starts singing, another one bites the dust. I'll bring out MC Hammer in another time. Okay. Okay. Let's move along quickly. The anointing just left out, left. What we're finding is that something comes on you that doesn't come on you because of you. It comes on you because of him. Because I've chosen to live in the yoke with God. And when that happens, when I surrender and I just take the direction of my life, his direction. See, I didn't add Jesus to my life. He is my life. See, the problem is it's, and it's, a, it's a terrible, terrible error that I'll live the life I want and just add Jesus to it. Okay, that's a, that's a generation X and Z sort of a perspective that says, oh, I, I don't have to change anything I'm doing. I'm sorry. If you get baptized on that perspective, all you do is come out a wet center. And so that's not the deal that Jesus made. 
So making your own rules doesn't enter the yoke relationship with Jesus. And so I, I don't make the terms. I just thank God that he gave me terms that I could accept and go for. It, and it's not robotic. It's very much organic. But I'm in the yoke with the Lord. And each one of us have that kind of a path, that purpose of God that he wants to raise in our lives in a significant way. Come on, think about it just for a second. Ask him right where you sit right now, wherever you're at. Just think about it and ask him, Lord, what's the design? What are we, where are we going? What do, you, what do you want me to do? And I'll guarantee you he'll just say, pay attention, love me, stay in the yoke, stay as close as you can. And by the way, let me give you a little significant little thing here. This is significant. When two cows, now each hand represents a big uh, bull's head. Got it? Okay, and they're plowing. Okay, here they come. Now, here's me, and here's Jesus. If he wants to talk to me, he doesn't have to go far. All he does is this. Because it's mouth-to-ear communication in the yoke with God. I'm never far away from his voice. A lot of folks have a hard time hearing God's voice because they're not in the yoke. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you... (sighs) Get that nesty iced tea plunge in your head. Take my yoke upon you, listen, and learn of me. I'm a student of Jesus. I want to know what he thinks about everything. I want to know what he thinks about what I'm facing. And I want to look through the perspective that the yoke provides, and when it happens, friend, something amazing begins to happen to me. If you will, a Davidic thing begins to happen to me because I wasn't wasting time listening to the giant of life, whether it's ABC, CBS, or NBC. I was listening to the Lord my God. And when Goliath starts shouting, I start running at him instead of from him. And it's a yoke perspective. That you get. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, if you're all stressed out in life, you're not doing it right. Get in the yoke. Because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Walk in your grace. Walk in the direction of the Lord. Stay yoked together with him. If you have to ask questions, you don't have to go far. There's four things that I think maybe I'll leave with you here that can help you to stay in the yoke with God. And experience victory in your life and peace and freedom and joy and rest. And that's what we want. So the number one thing is you've got to get into the Word of God. You've got to begin to get into that, that mode of cooperation. How do you do that? You do it by getting in the yoke through the Word. And it's not just reading your Bible. It's reading your Bible and getting the kind of perspective, old, nitty-gritty, Old Testament, pointing towards Jesus and the sacrifice of the Son so that we could be free because sin plays for keeps and it had all of us and the only way to get rid of it is become one of us. And Jesus lived perfectly, became the perfect sacrifice and peeled its clutches off your soul. Today, you're not under the dominion of sin. Jesus died in your place, took the penalty, rose from the dead, and when he got up, you got up. It's a great gospel. 
And so you got to get into the Word to know that. There's a reason why I'm quoting the scriptures that I'm quoting to you this morning, and it's right there in your Bible. And there's a reason why I'm doing it. I wasn't studying for a message. I was studying for a lifestyle. Secondly, you got to make for yourself a little think time. If you're not thinking about your own life, who's going to do it? Come on. It's important for us to spend some time calculating our life's own direction, not just the day and the schedule and the list that we have to get accomplished today. How many of you are list people? Okay. Come on. You, and, and how many of you fly by the seat of your pants, people? Because only you fit in one of those two. If you're undecided, it's a fly by the pants. Because if you were a list person, you would know it. Your response would be on the list. <laughs> you got to spend time thinking about your life. Am I anywhere close to the will of God in my life? Is the decision I make today going to be consequential in a decade? And am I going to like what it looks like in a decade from now? Wisdom says don't start it now if you don't, know what it looks, if you don't like what it looks like in a decade. Your first hit off of a joint can produce disaster. Say, I'm not going to receive that legalistic bondage. Well, you know, that's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say anything about smoking marijuana. Well, it doesn't say anything about hitting yourself in the head with a hammer either. But I'm praying you got enough sense to know that. Somebody said, I'm just getting high. It took me low. A couple hits off a of Maui Wowie, and I was dangerous. News at 11. I'm sorry, I've already been there. Come on, old Milwaukee says it doesn't get any better than this. I found out it gets a whole lot better than that. Quiet time. Number three, pray. Jesus, I need your help. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. I did children's church for such a long time. I need your help. Okay, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. It's supposed to be a holy moment, but I... You'll never forget that, though. The yoke discussion with Jesus is the most important discussion you'll have. It's called prayer. You talk, he talks back. It's a great arrangement. Number four, vibrantly praise him. I mentioned this last week. If you want the key to unlock your heart, communicate unbridled love for him, just like I did for Jackie. When you do, when you praise God without caring who's watching, something happens to you that unlocks something in you of freedom and the flow of God's power and grace in your life so that lifestyle Christianity becomes something that you just are instead of something that you keep trying. I don't wonder whether I love Jackie or not. Here's the great part. She doesn't wonder whether I do either. No mystery. 
no presumption. Because if I keep that unlocked, it keeps a flow in my life. And I guarantee you, if that flow of praise in your life and your heart is not happening, you're either not in the yoke or you haven't opened up to the direction. You're resisting the yoke. Here's what the, the people in Israel, God referred to them as stiff-necked. You know what that word, where that comes from? Stiff-necked comes from resisting the yoke. If one mule stands still and the other one keeps walking, you're going to go in a circle. You wonder why you keep repeating the same catastrophes? Because you stopped walking and you started resisting with a stiff neck against the yoke. And I guarantee you, all you're going to do is make circles. Another lap for 40 years. When's that promised land coming? Oh, you'll see it about once every year. <laughs> you'll pass right by. Right on the other side of that Jordan River over there. Stop resisting the yoke and go with the direction of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one that is within the sound of my voice, those who are watching online. And Lord, the invitation that you've given us is amazing. Come unto me, you said. And so, Master, now we're asking you that we, you would give us the courage, the initiative, maybe even the, the adventurousness at the invitation of the Lord to actually take the invitation and follow you in a way that is different than anything we've ever learned religiously, that it's authentic and it's real. And Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that every single one of us in the room and those who are part of our service live at home, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus now that you would give us the ability to think about our lives, to calculate, Lord, am I somebody that stands on the hillside or am I somebody that charges at Goliath? Which one am I? I know what you would do, Lord. I know what I would do, but in the yoke, I do what you do. And I thank you, Father God, today that you help us to see like you see, a yoke perspective of being yoked together with the greatest, strongest, most victorious, courageous, loving Savior that the world has ever known or could ever conceive. And I pray now in the name of Jesus, Father God, that you would allow us today to respond. Help us to respond to the call to the yoke in the name of Jesus. And that lifestyle Christianity would be just as simple as yoking together with God. If you're in the room right now and your heads are bowed and those of you who are at home right now and you say, Pastor Pat, I've been resisting the yoke. Maybe I've been stiff-necked or somebody says, you know, I didn't even know that God wanted us to yoke together with him. I just thought that was something that he said in Matthew chapter number 11 and I'm just trying to figure it out. Well, let me just tell you today that God is calling you into partnership to take every step of life and every stride of life in partnership with him. He's got a great plan for your life. Don't miss it. Don't stiffen your neck against submitting your heart to the only one in the world who is trustworthy, and it's the Lord our God. Today, he's as close as the mention of his name, and in a moment I'm going to pray, and I want you today to join me in prayer because it'll start a revolution of beautiful choices in your life. You'll start hearing from God in ways that you never dreamed you could, and you'll start taking steps that you would have never taken in your own strength, but God will lead you into places and to victory. Maybe it's just like I said on Valentine's Day. Maybe it's a rejuvenated marriage 
that's strong and pure and good with a heart that's wide open instead of shut by oppression and shut by criticism and shut by judgments that other people have placed on your life. Friend, you're in the wrong yoke if you're doing that. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. So come, come. In a moment, I'm going to pray. I just want to know who I'm praying for. For those of us in the room and those of you who are watching online, you say, Pastor Pat, please, don't leave me out of that prayer. I, I won't, I promise. And we're going to call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, whosoever will do that will be saved. And it will begin this chain reaction of repentance and rejuvenation and strength that God will provide for your life. And it has to start somewhere, and it starts with a prayer. If you're in the room today and you say, Pastor Pat, I never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Or you would say, I've gotten away from God, but I want to come back to God. I want to live a yoked relationship with Jesus. If that's you, in a moment we're going to pray. And I just want to know who I'm praying for. For those of you online, all you have to do is punch that raise the hand button on your screen right now. Just punch that button and say, Pastor Pat, I'm in. I need Jesus in my life, for real. If that's you in this room, just lift your hand wherever you are. Pastor, don't leave me out of that. I got, got you, got you. God bless you. Thank God. All over the room, three, three four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Anybody else? Lift up your hand, 15, God bless you, 16, hallelujah. Online right now, if God is calling you, don't resist the yoke. Don't, don't stiffen your neck against the yoke. Just, just go, just, just flow, and he wants to do magnificent things for you. I want you to pray this prayer with me, all of you, all of us out loud and together. Those of you online, pray this prayer with me, right out loud and together. Dear God in heaven, I come in the name of Jesus. Thank you for saving me that you would die in my place and you rose from the dead and when you got up I got up you raised me with you I repent for my sin and I look to you more than just forgiveness I want you to guide me and direct my life and I receive you today as the Lord of who I am I surrender my life to you. Teach me what that means. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, give me a good amen, somebody. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, yay for you, yay for you. Yoke together with the Son of God. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.